Mark Richard Rosenthal. Mark was my father's name, Rosenthal. Our family name, Richard, taken from the actor Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> Based solely on his performance in everybody's favorite Richard Dreyfus film, The Goodbye Girl. <laughs> Fact, I've never seen The Goodbye Girl in its entirety, but I do know there's a scene where Richard Dreyfus says the word panties, and I'll bet it's creepy as shit. <laughs> Prime Resurrection Age. <laughs> Fact! I'm actually 34, my birthday was two weeks ago, I refuse to rewrite that joke. <laughs> Fact! My head slopes upwards like a gorilla's. 100% true, that's science. Fact! I once got thrown out of an Iowa City Jimmy John's for violating their free spells policy. <laughs>
Predator Alien Hybrid. All the other Predators from Alien vs. Predator Requiem. All the Predators from the movie Predators. The Predator from Predator 2. <laughs> the Predator from Predator 2 is a piece of shit. <laughs> he is a garbage person Predator. Guys, understand, the Predator from Predator 1 takes out, like, the cream of the crop of 80s action heroes. Bill, Duke, Sonny, Lando. Uh, Carl Weathers, Jesse the Body Ventura, noted Hollywood screenwriter Shane Black. That's a real thing. Look it up. <laughs> he takes out Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm not talking post T2, wink at the camera, in on the joke Schwarzenegger. I'm talking about walking billboard for KY Muscle Grease, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm talking about sentient slap of beef Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Defeats him. The Predator from Predator 2 couldn't take out the dream team of Gary Busey, Bill Paxton, and Danny Glover. <laughs> And keep in mind, Predator 2 came out in 1990, Legal Weapon came out in 1987. Danny Glover's been too old for this shit for three years already. And he punches a Predator to death. <laughs> which, is, which is why all these other Predators show up and they hand him the old, the old pirate gun. They hand him the fancy pirate gun like, thank you for killing Craig the Predator. He's the worst. <laughs> what kind of asshole shows up to Predator around a heat wave in future Los Angeles? I'll tell you what kind of asshole. A Craig the Predator kind of asshole. Pirate gun drop, Predator's out! <laughs> and if you're wondering where these Predators are on the list of Predators, uh, I forgot they existed until right now. So uh, let's slot them in after the Predalien hybrid. They're pretty cool. Uh, my brain's broken. It doesn't work, guys. I took four years of French in high school. Four years of French. All I can tell you right now is Bonjour, je m'appelle Marc, j'ai un singe, il est un grand singe, comme un singe, je frappe un singe. Which translates to, hello, my name is Mark, I have a monkey, he's a big monkey, but my monkey's bad, I beat my monkey. <laughs> I don't know how I remember that, my brain's broken. <laughs> I, guys, I forgot my birthday last year. I woke up, went to work, came home, my wife was like, happy birthday! And I was like, what is it? What? <laughs> but I'll never forget the fact that I got so good at six degrees of Kevin Bacon, my friends had to change it to three degrees of Chris Rock. <laughs> and this is 2003, there weren't many Chris Rock movies. Like, who's the furthest person you can think of from Chris Rock? Meatloaf? I 100% agree. Meatloaf was in the with the Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson was in the Soul Man with Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac was in fucking Head of State with Chris Rock. I will forget the names of my children. <laughs> I offer you. I can offer you the most definitive proof that uh, my brain does not work, that it is in fact broken, is that I spent six months searching for the movie Congo on DVD. <laughs> six months of my life! Nobody ever in the history of the movie Congo has spent six months in the movie Congo. The people who made Congo did not spend six months in the movie Congo. If they did, they wouldn't have put a 14-year-old Chinese gymnast in a rubber chimp suit, gave it a power glove, and been like, talking gorilla. Wouldn't happen! Congo, for the uninitiated, came out in 1995. I was 13 years old. I saw it in the theaters twice, willingly. Because in 1995, when you're 13 years old, Congo is the greatest film of all time. All right, I'm sorry, Citizen Kane, but you don't have a diamond-powered laser beam, killer hippos, or the black Ghostbusters. So go fuck yourself. I remember how it happened. My sister was at my apartment. We were hanging out. It was a Sunday night. We do what we do every 
very cleverly titled Fancy Beer Shooting Movie Night. <laughs> she turns to me, she's like, hey, you remember the movie Congo? We laughed. We was like, ah, Congo, so stupid, we should watch that. <laughs> we laughed. We laughed. That night, I woke up in a cold sweat because I had to watch the movie Congo. <laughs> Yeah, that's about the response you get 
there too. Yeah. You might know him from your friend's Babylon 5 lunchbox. He got a comment out a few years ago. He thinks it's worth a lot of money. He's wrong. He doesn't have the thermos. He's an idiot. <laughs> Number two, uh, it is the home of the Grand Victoria Riverboat Casino. Uh, yeah. The only place I know of that charges $30 for a buffet and doesn't give you crab legs. Fuck that place. <laughs> Finally, it is the former home of the Elgin Watch Company. Uh, once makers of some of the finest timepieces the world over, some of the clocks right now in Union Station here in Chicago are still Elgin clocks. Fine chronometers. Now, it is a liquor store that is constantly being fined for selling to minors, a Mexican grocery store, and two dollar stores. Elgin, where history goes to die! <laughs> One other thing Elgin is known for, my friends, is uh, it houses Illinois' oldest and largest mental health facility, cleverly titled Elgin Mental Health Facility. And in the late 80s, around 1988 AB, that's after Box Library, there was, <laughs> there was a bit of a budget crisis, a little shortfall, and the greatest minds of town came together to try to fix this problem. How do we solve it? And the decision that they made was, oh, we just let some of the crazies go. It's like, how do you make that choice? It's not baseball cards. You can't just get rid of your doubles. <laughs> like, oh, both these guys think they're Kennedy. But that one stabs people. You're free to go, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Ink Eye Burliner! Ink Eye Burliner! Ink Burliner. Good old Stabbing Kennedy, he's the best. Uh, it wouldn't have been so bad, it wouldn't have been so bad, uh, except my grandmother had been a nurse at this facility. And she used to watch me during the day when my parents were working, and invariably we would go out, uh, get a hot dog, some cheese fries, throw a wiener wagon, and we would run into one of her former patients. And my grandmother, and all of her grandmotherly wisdom, decided that the most prudent thing to do in this situation was introduce her easily trusting seven-year-old grandson to the hulking beast of his night terrors. <laughs> like, guys, think about this. When you were an adult, uh, when you run into uh, a, a homeless person or a crazy person on the streets, it's kind of just an inconvenience. You know, you give them a quarter, give them a smoke, a high five, you'd be on your way. But when you are seven years old, and the bramble-bearded beasts of your eventide horrors are reaching for your cheese fries, that shit will break your brain. <laughs> Alright, most kids, their nightmares are just like Draculas and Wolfmans and, I don't know, sharks with opposable thumbs and business acumen. These are normal nightmares for children. My neighbors were just real people who had their uh, mental health coverage denied them by the government. Like, that's awful to think about. Those are my nightmares. <laughs> Come to, 10 years later, I'm 17 years old, I'm walking around downtown Elgin. I'm doing the thing that all 17-year-olds uh, were doing in the late 90s, listening to Limp Biscuit on an unironic basis. And as, as our good friend Fred Durst was extolling the virtues of breaking stuff to me, uh, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around and freak out. And the guy is just looking for change. And I'm like, no, man, I'm sorry, I don't have any change. And then he starts staring at me. Staring at me. Staring into my eyes. And then what I can only assume was the dirtiest light bulb ever went off. And he looks at me and he says, I know you. You're Minnie's grandson, aren't you? Mm -hmm. This guy recognized me from 10 years ago. 
keep in mind, when I was seven years old, I was short, had long floppy hair, much thinner, and no beard, as most seven-year-olds are wont to do. <laughs> at 17, I looked basically like this, but with a little thinner, a little less gray, and a bigger beard. <laughs> so this guy recognized me. And then this is what he said, and this is a direct quote. He said, I remember when you were this big, I could have taken you to Mexico, nobody would have known. <laughs> now, I want to stop things for a second and give you a little uh, uh, science lesson. Uh, fat people, not supposed to run. It is an affront to God and physics. But the speed that I would have moved that night would have made Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson weep. Because I destroyed Newtonian physics that evening. I don't even remember how I got home. There's ten minutes of my life that are missing. Like, I'm pretty sure at some point I just phased out of existence and went to one of those like wormholes like you see in movies where it's just swirling colors and clocks. Like, that's what happened. The next thing I remember, I was just sitting on my toilet, fear shitting, while Fred Durst was telling me all the things he did for the nookie. <laughs> and also, where I can shove my cookie, turns out, up my head. <laughs> That's right, in Elgin, Illinois, where your childhood night terrors follow you to adulthood. <laughs> That's about right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't shit on Elgin so much. Especially because, you know, uh, most of it's built on ancient Indian burial grounds. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can thank our seventh and most duelingest president for that, Mr. Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. They call him Old Hickory because of his tough, stern demeanor and because he used to hit people with a stick. <laughs> you know, like presidents do. <laughs> As such, trail of tears, whatnot. Uh, soldiers begin marching through what is now Elgin, and as they pass through, they notice uh, the beautiful Fox River and potable water and uh, plenty of lush greenery to grow cows and build farms and whatnot. And they decide that once they defeat the indigenous people of Wisconsin, they will come here, and so they did. As such, a vast majority of Elgin is haunted. <laughs> Let me give you a quick rundown of the haunted places in Elgin. You guys ready for this? Yeah. yeah. All of them. There, we're done. <laughs>
And uh, if you've ever worked in a kitchen before, in the food industry, you know that there's always music playing in kitchens. It's a way to keep up uh, energy and morale, and everyone has a good time, so you don't have to worry about all the soul-clushing, back-breaking labor that you were doing. <laughs> now, there's only three CDs in this kitchen that play. The first one was Ace of Bass's Greatest Hits. Uh, <laughs> now, actually, this is 2003. Ace of Bass had stopped being a thing for about a decade by this point. <laughs> But I will say this, until you see a room full of sweaty illegals singing I Saw the Sign, you haven't lived. <laughs> it's beautiful. The second CD was uh, In Excess's Greatest Hits, which at first was awesome, because I was like, yeah, it's Nietzsche's Night, some new sensation, uh, you know, some Suicide Blonde, some kick. But when you hear Nietzsche Tonight every day, three times a day, for a year, you start to think, oh, maybe Michael Hutchins knew what he was doing when he wrapped that scarf around his Shocked by the audacity of it? So for months, I'd be like, Sylvester, 
would go on like this. Finally, one day, we were in the van, and we're going to a party in Mount Prospect, and he's telling me all these stories about how he was a bus driver in Mexico. And they're great stories. We're having a good time. We're laughing. And I guess this last story, he's talking about his friend. They're on the bus, and his friend and him are laughing. They're having a good time, but he won't get behind the yellow line. And he's like, man, you got to get behind the yellow line. There are rules on the bus. He's like, nah, we're friends. I can do what I want. He's like, no, man, you got to get behind the line. Well, the friend chose to ignore the rules, and he was punished as such. Sylvester pulls out a knife and gives him, and I quote, a belly smile. Spills him out of the bus. Continues making stops on the bus, and then takes his friend to the hospital. And that's where he lost me. I was like, Sylvester, why, why would you take this guy to the hospital? You cut him open. He said, he's my friend. We're friends. He stabbed me out of friendship, guys. That's how he makes friends. There's not really an end to that story. It's just that he puts knives into people. It's like a handshake, apparently. It won't surprise you to learn that I left that job shortly thereafter. And I embarked on what became the worst job I've ever had. Keeping in mind, I was just stabbed at the previous job. <laughs> I spent 10 years working as a pharmacy technician. That's, that should scare the shit out of you. <laughs> that this fat, sweaty, broken brain thing, who clearly has no regard for his own well-being, <laughs> was responsible for yours. <laughs> right? And you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, man, we probably... You know, I had to go through a big, long process to get in there. No, it is frighteningly easy to become a medical professional in the state of Illinois. Here's what it takes. It takes three things. Number one, you could never have killed a guy. Number two, $40. Number three, that's it, just those two things. <laughs> and you think, oh, well, you probably have some kind of education. You probably had to go to a school to get the proper background learning. No. No, not anything. My degree is in comedy. That's not a joke. Well, it is when I apply for jobs. <laughs> but it's with honors, and honors is spelled with a U, so you know it's legit. <laughs> but it's useless for giving people pills. But you know, I, surely I had trained. Surely that I was trained uh, to do this job. No, incorrect again. People who answered my rhetorical question that I put in your mouth. <laughs> my training was this. I walked in, the pharmacist took a giant bottle of Vicodin, dumped out a bunch of pills, and said, count to 60. Do it again. That's it. You're a pharmacy technician now. <laughs> Guys, understand there are jobs with zero stakes that require more than one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> if you're a librarian and you accidentally put Lord of the Rings in periodicals, nobody's blood gets too thin and starts pouring out of their eyeballs. <laughs> I'll tell you a few things about the pharmacy business that you might not know. Everybody behind the pharmacy counter hates their job. And more importantly, hates you for being there. <laughs> The only reason most of us work there uh, is because it pays pretty well and it looks better on a resume than sandwich artist. That's it. Anyone ever get pills from a pharmacy? That one? Yeah? yeah you don't have to
buy that hip or nothing, but yeah. They fell on the floor. <laughs> I dropped my pills on the floor, I picked them up, I put them in the bottle, and I sold them to you. Yeah, like that. And you're like, oh, but you guys probably clean the floor all the time. Wrong, they were never clean. Your pills are disgusting. <laughs> anybody who works behind the counter. Like, it's really weird. Like, there's just the assumption that everyone behind this counter isn't just Fatty McJokesome. <laughs> and a lady come in one day, and she's like, telling me this whole big story. She's like, oh, my husband is 400 pounds, and he's diabetic, and he drinks four bottles of champagne every day, and all he eats is Taco Bell. And one day, I'm going to put a nail polish remover in champagne so he gets sick and has to go to the hospital and almost dies, so he'll finally go to rehab, and he won't fucking, you know, be this piece of shit. And I was like, man, champagne and Taco Bell, that's crazy talk. That's the real life version of lobster stuffed with tacos. That's, that's crazy. That's like matter and antimatter colliding. If I did that shit, it wouldn't negate me. Also, if he's not dead already, he's clearly a Highlander and living forever. There will be no quickening for this man. Also, did you say you were going to poison someone? <laughs> to another human being? With access to, I don't know, phones? <laughs> Capable of contacting any number of law enforcement agencies? <laughs> Not that I thought about that, because champagne and Taco Bell, are you kidding me? It's the life. And what brought this on? What was the impetus? for this revelation. Hi, can I help you find something? <laughs> yeah, my husband's a 400 pound, four bottles of water in a day. Oh look, here's the Thompson name. Problem solved. <laughs> One other thing I'll tell you about pharmacy that's kind of cool that I kind of miss. Uh, you start learning about products, like different weird products that you don't normally uh, hear about. There's a product, it's called Etex. Uh, it's kind of similar to Viagra. If I ever was a half-inch needle, you plunge directly into your dick. <laughs> Here's how it works. Uh, first, you wash your dick. Which, I mean, frankly, you should be doing it. <laughs> then you wipe your dick down with rubbing alcohol. Now, I don't know if you've ever got rubbing alcohol on your skin, but it is cold to the touch. And I don't know if you know anything about penises, they're not a fan of the cold. <laughs> so already you are working at a deficit. <laughs> you then take your penis and stretch it out as far as it will go. <laughs> and inject the half inch needle into the now thinnest part of your penis. <laughs> inject, remove, administer more rubbing alcohol. Because nothing feels better on an open wound than rubbing alcohol. Am I right, guys? You then get a boner and have sex with an open wound on your dick. That's right. A drug company got together. Uh, executives, marketers, uh, scientists, researchers all got together in a big room. And they were just like, God, they probably had it catered too. They got in a bunch of food. And they're like, guys, how can we put more blood into vaginas. <laughs> they only bleed five to seven days a month. That's not 
One out of every ten doctors, by the way, recommends having sex with an open board on your penis. Mm -hmm. The other nine doctors died from having sex with an open board on your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I feel like I've told you quite a lot about my life, so I think it's time we take a quick break. We have a little musical interlude. You guys all right with that? <laughs> so, way, way back. <clears throat> I get some water here, too. <clears throat> So way, 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 way back. When I was about 21 years old, just out of college, um, I started teaching myself how to play guitar. And it got to the point where I had legitimately decided that I was going to quit doing comedy, acting, writing, to pursue being a musician. All right, keep that in mind. I was going to quit this to do what you are about to hear. <laughs> so the very first song that I ever wrote uh, was called Delusions of a Homeless Mind. It was from a play of the same name that I wrote with a friend of mine. Uh, it is about two homeless men who, to stem off the terrible days, go uh, find themselves in fanciful fantasy worlds, giving dumb monologues, and then engaging in turgid, post-collegiate, pseudo-philosophical bullshit. <laughs> this is a full-length play. It was handwritten. <laughs> 32 pages. 32 pages. That's it right there. It's <laughs> not a joke. So this is the theme song uh, to, the, to the play. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah, I mean, you were going to hear it anyways. Uh, it's my show. Um, I mean, mind you, I hear it every day that I close my eyes. It's not bad. Um, so here we go. Delusions of a homeless mind. Well, it's a good start already, not even playing full chords. Pagans cracked like a fragile mind. I slip into me to one one. Okay, clearly, 21 year old Mark Rosendahl missed his awkward high school poetry phase by about five years. <laughs> That's some Spanish Inquisition level. Fucking metaphor torture. <laughs> I'm so sorry we're doing this. Set <laughs> your fate like a river round the bend. Life on the streets must come to an end. Alright, what is uh <laughs> what is accept uh, your fate like a river round the bend even mean? <laughs> Oh yeah, we got to that titular line already. 
where the breakdown comes in. I'm intangible. There is no rapture for me. This world's delusional. My brain is fractured and weak. All right, so when did the song go first person? <laughs> oh, that's right. When I was a shitty songwriter. That's it. Or I can die right now. Who knows? That's 
mean, if I make it to 40 with all my original parts, I'm going to consider that a pretty significant defeat of God. <laughs> like, if I make it to 40 and I'm not more machine than man, that's basically like dunking in God's face, hanging on the rim too long, and then getting teed up and clapping super annoyingly while he shoots his free throws. <laughs> For all you non-sports fans out there, that'd be the equivalent of going back to 1969 and releasing Abbey Road before the Beatles, and then clapping super annoyingly while they shot their free throws. <laughs> Not that it would do any good, as everyone knows, John's the smart one, Paul's the cute one, Ringo's the funny one, George's the 94% free throw shooter. <laughs> He's the Larry Bird of the Beatles. <laughs> but no, I might, I might die someday. And so that said, I feel it is my duty to pass on to you everything I have learned, all of the wisdom I have accrued over this period of time. Wisdom! If a homeless man tries to sell you a microwave at 4 o'clock in the morning in a dark alley, Go ahead and pass on that shit. <laughs> it's probably not a microwave. <laughs> it's very likely a box of stones or newspapers or snakes. <laughs> where, where did this homeless guy get all those snakes from? I don't know, maybe he's from Florida. They got a lot of snakes there. <laughs> Wisdom! Do not open the red-eye box in front of the Wilson Red Line station. That is somebody's dresser. <laughs> and in wintertime, somebody's refrigerator. Also, there could be snakes in there. Homeless people are often in the That's true. Wisdom! There are only three universal truths in this world. Death, taxes, and right now, on every single CTA, train, and bus, somebody is rapping out loud to an iPhone. It's happening. <laughs> And you know all he's thinking of is like, today's the day to hope ride the Skokie Swift. <laughs> Wisdom! The best brownies are corner brownies. <laughs> yeah, anybody who says otherwise is probably just a wolf man in disguise. Let them ride just bait you into an argument, and when you like stop paying attention, he bites you, and then all of a sudden, now you're a werewolf, dummy, way you go. And you're like, oh, I'll become a professional basketball player. Wrong! Teen Wolf is full of lies! <laughs> However, werewolves are natural boxers. Teen Wolf 2 surprisingly candid. <laughs> Wisdom! Every single Elton John music video from the year 1980 to 1990 was directed by a Versace windbreaker fucking a pile of cocaine. <laughs> That pile of cocaine, blowing another pile of cocaine. <laughs> That's science. Oh. Wisdom. All right, this is serious, guys. This is very important. It's very serious that I tell you this. It's probably the most important thing I'll tell you all night. Quarter brownies are the best brownies. All right. If you disagree, if you want to fight about that, you know what? I hope there's a bear in your house when you get home. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> a bear. A live bear. I don't want it to hurt you, but I want you to, to get home just as they're leading the bear out. And you're going to lock eyes with that bear. And you're going to say, what are you doing here, bear? <laughs> you don't belong here. 
I know I locked all my doors and windows. <laughs> and you do not have the manual dexterity to operate a lock and key. <laughs> or a phone to call a locksmith. <laughs> also, you are a spectacle bear and well out of your habitat of Asia. <laughs> and that's where you're going to realize if that bear got in your apartment, anything can get in your apartment. Snakes, other bears. <laughs> You'll never be safe again. You're going to have to move out of your apartment. And you're going to call your friends just say, come up and help me move. And they'll be like, oh, you don't like corn brownies? Yeah, well, it was a whole bear thing. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> and then you, you call your friends. And then you call your friends on the day they're supposed to help you move. And they're like, oh, I can't go. They weren't going to help you anyways. And now you got to call movers. And you got to spend all this extra money. And now you're broke. And you won't be able to pay your first month or last month your security deposit. So you got to start selling shit off the pawn shops. Like that autographed picture of that episode from uh, fucking Golden Girls. Where fucking Rose said something stupid and then Rose made fun of her. You know that episode. Every episode. <laughs> you got to sell that shit all because you don't like corn brownies? Wisdom. You know who else doesn't like corn brownies? Snakes don't like corn brownies. <laughs> Circumstances, I will kill a man for a buffet. 
Those circumstances are, hey, if you kill that guy, I'll give you buffet. Done, that guy's dead. <laughs> if you told me right now, every single buffet on the planet would go out of business unless I killed all the pandas, we'd all be wearing panda track jackets by midnight. Guaranteed. And I know it's sad to think of an entire species of animal going extinct just so I can eat a golden crown. Uh, but think about how dope we roll into the buffet wearing those panda track jackets. Black and white never goes out of style. I love buffets. Uh, when, I, when I roll into the buffet, I'm like the Incredible Hulk. I lose control. I black out, and when I wake up, my purple pants are fucked. I will say this to play devil's advocate about buffets. It is a very like crazed Roman emperor way to eat. Like just rolling in, it's like, oh, welcome to a little country buffet. How can I help you? Make me one of everything and I shall date what pleases me. <laughs> Salisbury steak. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Boiled whitefish. Fans. 
That is the 1.21 gigawatts of buffets. From non-units of measurement from movies fans, that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles defeating the Super Shredder and Splinter saying, I make another funny love. <laughs> from non-terrible sequels to popular late 80s film adaptations and popular late 80s cartoons, that is Vanilla Ice going, nah man, see, because their song sounds like this. <laughs> And my song sounds like this. It's completely different. Of the face. From you not vanilla eyes explaining the difference between his eyes eyes baby and Queen David Bowie's under pressure. That is the bam 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 of the face. From you not rockers that change the history of music. That is the dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to get to this thing called life of the face. For all you non-Prince fans, the fuck is wrong with you? That man is a hero. Have some respect for all of you still not happy about being yelled at fans by fat comedians. That is the do 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 Ha <laughs> ha